jacket had chains that would jingle. They both met movie stars, partied and mingled. Their A&R man said, I don't hear a single. The future was wide open. It was wide open for Eddie into the great wide open. Tom Petty bringing us in today. We are going to talk about the top five acts in our minds that never made it. And that's a song that talks all about how Eddie didn't quite make it as far as he wanted to go. Welcome to Twisted Lister. We're at episode 16. As always, joined by Harrison and Todd. And, uh, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, sweet 16. Sweet 16. Like Christine 16, to be exact. Christine, <laughs> Gin Blossoms. Yeah, well, well it, was, it, was, it was, of course, a Kiss song, which was covered by the Gin Blossoms. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I so. believe Chuck Berry, I think he had a song called Sweet 16, I want to say. There you go. So, welcome well, to the show. rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. there's no, there are no boundaries here on Twisted Lister. That's right. Welcome, welcome mm-hmm. to the show, and thanks for those of you who have turned, tuned into the past 15 episodes. Of course, the last episode was our top summer songs. Uh, feedback we got from our listener, Thad, who is now starting to request lists, which we welcome. So anybody that wants to request lists or suggest lists, recommend lists, we're open to that. Of course, he wants to hear us do something about protest songs, which I'm down mm-hmm. with. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, or something political. Thad, yeah. you're, if you are listening, you are, you are always welcome to be a guest on the show. You just let us know, and you're on. That's right. <laughs> he, he would classify as the first guest who actually can play an instrument, I believe. Yeah. Correct? That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talented yeah. drummer. Yeah. So In the Marshall Plan. But, uh, yeah, we, we were talking about doing that maybe around election time. Maybe, you know, late October or something would be good, right before the election. And if the other guests can play instruments, uh, we, we don't know about that. They're going to have to come on the show to prove it, that they can actually play. In. The, our other guests <laughs> that have been here, which would be Bill, Steve, and Stuart, of course. Anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, you can always reach us, twistedlister69 at gmail.com. You can follow us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. You know how to find it. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, we're going to get into it now. Uh, first, Wait, Scott, what yeah, about yeah. Twitter? We are available on Twitter. We, we are. We, we haven't... <laughs> We are. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Twisted. <laughs> I was twist. going to say twist at Twisted Lister Pod. Yeah, it's. Um, check it out. It's check it out. it's blank right now. It's <laughs> it's blank right now. But we're getting the. Uh, we got to get our our Twitter following our Twitter presence up. We'll do that. We'll do That's it. Right. We, we have time now, so we'll be getting to that. Uh, we're 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 yeah we're we're nowhere near Katy Perry's stature as far as Twitter is concerned, but I'm sure we'll get there. So. But no one know who is really. Yeah, no one. Well, she is number one. I mean, she, she is, is the leader. She's she is the, the leader. leader. She's literally the queen of the Twitterverse. I don't know what that says <laughs> about the world these days, but she is the leader. Well. Uh, so we're going to get into the list today. Like I said, we're going to talk about the top five bands in our minds that didn't make it. I'm so excited about this show because this, this is a lot. This talks a little bit about the, the business of music. It talks a little bit about the bands that we were passionate about that we just feel like should have gotten a better chance in the music industry. There's a lot of ways to go here. So uh, I'm excited about it. Me well, too. Yeah, I remember yeah, I'm Todd, Todd, yeah. real quick, Todd, you we have get a, to be a little obs- more obscure this week. I agree, I agree. Obscure. Todd, you have a you have a concert report. You went and saw Willie Nelson last night, correct? I did. Yeah. I saw Willie Nelson. I, it was a triple bill. It was Willie Nelson. Uh, it was the first time I'd seen any of these artists, and a little me going country a little bit. Uh, but it was Willie Nelson. It was Allison Krauss in Union Station, her backing band, and and Casey Musgraves, the up and comer. So I liked it because it was really three different generations represented of country music. Um, 
And uh, I have to say, it was a great show. Like Casey Musgraves, very talented. I'm not a huge country fan, as I've mentioned on the show before, but I can appreciate some country music. And she's only, I believe, 23 years old. She put on a great show. She just has. She only has one album. It's called Same Trailer, Different Park. It's a great <laughs> name. Great name for an album. Um, she's got a couple big singles. Um, but yeah, she. I thought she put on a good show. Allison Krauss. Uh, had always kind of wanted to see her. She's got a great voice, and uh, at the, like I said, Union Station is a very tight band. They've been playing together for over 20 years, um, and they've got you know they've got a solid dobro player. This guy named Jerry Douglas, who's well known, I guess, in that among their fan base. And then the guy, this is interesting, the guy who plays guitar. I think his name is Dan Tominski. He does. If you guys know that Avicii song, Hey Brother, uh, which is a big hit, kind of a hit right now, he does the vocals on that. It's like, hey, brother. It's just that like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like that. Hey, I did a pretty yeah, yeah, good yeah. approximation. That was I good. Yeah, that was <laughs> you good. Know, do, you, do you know the song, Scott? I do know the song. I do know okay. I do know the song. Uh, familiar with the Avicii album. So, well, of course, they I did know a the good song. story. Yeah, she yeah. said Avicii called him, called him up and said, um, I'd like you to do vocals on, on this song that I, that I have. And so he did it. And that was pretty cool. How many calls but, like uh, that do you get, Todd? You get plenty of calls. Uh, like that, not that much no. these days, you know, but, uh, you know, if anyone's out there and they, they want a little sample vocals on their big EDM track, I'm, I'm happy to do it or any other <laughs> genre for that matter. I Could like, have you guys, have you guys ever seen, folk? have you guys, have you guys ever seen at the EDM shows when they have the live vocalist? Have you guys ever seen this at a live? I was I at Lollapalooza last I, year. I, One of the acts, I can't remember who on, on Perry's stage, uh, had the live vocalist. It's a great. It's so awesome. It's the so it's just the dude pushing a button behind him, and then you have the live vocalist in front of him. So Todd, you huh. could be the live vocalist at the EDM show. I, I yeah. could do that. I could be that guy. Um, but but yeah. So that the other interesting thing about Tominsky was that he sang. Uh, he did the song "Man of Constant Sorrow." If you remember, oh. you know, brother, where art thou? Soundtrack. Oh nice. So he said they did that last night, and it was great. So That's anyway, cool. that was. Yeah, they and Allison Krauss was on a couple of the songs off of that with you know T Bone Burnett producing. So that was that was really cool. And actually, I, I think she might have stolen the show from Willie. But I thought Willie put on a really good show. And you know, he's he's got to be close to eighty. But I thought he sounded uh, pretty good. The people I was with, Vicky didn't think he sounded great. And I was like, look, Willie's in that uh, he's in that category with like um, you could put him with like Bob Dylan or some of the others that like. You could say they're not great singers, but that's kind of how they sound. They have their because they were like he's just talking, and I was like, you could say that about Johnny Cash or Bob Dylan, or others, but that's his style. And I, I thought he sounded good, but and he played like Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Um, that was fun, and he did of course on the road again, and he did a lot of other classics. So I thought he was good, and he's actually a better guitar player than I ever would have guessed. I never thought of Willie as a guitarist really, but I thought he was solid. So anyway, good show all around. Willie Nelson, eighty-one years old, and on the on the, on the Jerry Douglas okay. thing, check out his last album. He came out with an album recently, within the last couple of years, and Mumford and Sons did a cover, of "The Boxer," on there, which is absolutely fantastic. They collaborated with him on it, and uh, it's oh, definitely it's, it's amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's really a really really good track. So if you're not Mumforded out, check that out. Uh, <laughs> so any, anyway, by the way, we're celebrating our ten year anniversary of having gone to Bonnaroo. Ten years ago, this week. That's right. Yeah, we just this week. So yeah, ten. Bonner, this week, yeah, I, no, we, I all, we all went I together. No memory of this, but yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure we. Were. That's right. Well, we can <laughs> confirm that Harrison was there, though he cannot. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, let's let's get into the list now, and like I said, counting down our top five bands in our minds that never made it, that should have gotten further than they had gotten, and there's so much to talk about on this subject. Obviously, a lot has to do with the music industry, the way the radio industry has shaped up over the last several years. Uh, there's a ton, and I'm excited to get into. 
into this. Harrison, you want to kick things off? Well, and I think we do have to just note that, like, the idea of making it, we have to put it in quotes, because, you know, even each of everyone has their own definition of a band, who's made it, an artist that's made it. And mm -hmm. so, and even each of us, I think, have pretty disparate uh, uh, definitions, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so and we can and, explain that, I guess, in our criteria. Like, and to that end, I mean, that's kind of how I, I approach it. My, my list, I think, is a bit more mainstream than you two, because... I my my approach to it was as far as like making it I or not I looked at it as like uh, getting as far as they could like I chose bands that I thought were kind of on a career trajectory and then for one reason or the other something happened and they just they didn't pan out the way that um, I would have expected them to as far as like reaching their uh, potential level of success and I guess right off the bat I disqualified any band that had like a major death. Um, so like bands like Sublime, Mother Love Bone, Blind Melon, uh, and even to a certain extent, I think Nirvana could have been in that category. Of bands that could have been bigger um, if they had had the chance. Like I, you know, and um, but because they lost their you know lead singers in all those cases, that it just didn't happen. Um, so that like I just eliminated those because that's just not that's a different kind of category, I think. But um, anyway, going to my list of like bands I didn't quite make it. I'm gonna start with number five. I went with the Decemberists who were part of the big kind of like, you know, folk rock revival. You know, up there, I guess they were about the same time as the Shins and those bands. Um, and I thought they, they got off to a really great start. I really liked going to see them. Todd, you and I, we saw them at Strathmore that one time. Yeah, yeah, they put on um, great show. Put on a great show. And then, you know, it's like they just kind of petered out. And lo and behold, they're still making music. They, they put out an album, I think, in the last couple of years. And they're still out there doing it. But, you know, when was the last time you... You, you heard the December song, even heard a classic December song on the radio, let alone anything new. Wait, 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 wait. December's on the radio. radio. Really? Ra I mean, we're going to get into radio. We're going to get into radio really early here. I mean, we know radio is the, the problem. Radio is the problem for all the bands we mentioned in the next 30 minutes. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. we know Fair that the, the down, I mean, the downfall of radio is interesting. I was reading one of my bands. I was I was looking them up, and the first link that comes up about them on Google, or second link, is a, is a link to one of their uh, CDs on Amazon. CDs, uh, one of, one of their albums on Amazon, <laughs> and in the summary it says, "I love I love this band. I heard them for the first time in 2000. I don't know when it was, 1998, whatever. I heard this band for the first time uh, played on a radio station in Georgia. I can't believe they didn't get any bigger. And we know what happened. I mean, there used to be bands that were regional acts, right, that got love on radio. Yeah. And then they, and then obviously we know what happened to radio. And as far as the mm -hmm. Decemberists, you're talking about a band that didn't fit or doesn't fit into one commercial category, right? That would be the reason for them. And yeah. again, radio turns their back on those acts. And, mm -hmm. um, and they can't get as, as as big as as obviously you would want. I mean, I think you know the Decemberists. I think did have a, a good amount of success, but I wouldn't necessarily uh, say hey we don't hear them on the radio because they're they're a band that came along after the death of radio. Uh, right, so they're a band they're, of, yeah, they're of a post the 2000s. And yeah, radio was really not yeah really breaking them. But I, yeah. I I my only my I'm a big Decemberist fan, and I saw Colin Malloy actually. The singer did a solo tour last fall. And it was great, but like I, I, my only argument here is I feel like they made it as much as any very successful indie rock band of the last decade, like like the Shins, like you mentioned. Or, they, but I mean, they're not. I mean, they. I thought I thought they Death had. Death Cab. Of, or I thought like they had like Mumford potential, and Death Cab was actually on my short list of bands that didn't make it as far. Really? As well I as see they, those fans as very successful still to this day. I mean, they. Not, they they I mean, can play. They can play like either small arenas or amphitheaters. I mean, last time. Last tour that the Decembers did was an amphitheater tour, but they did the Crane Wipe, Hazards of Love, 
and The King is Dead were their last three albums. And, like, creatively, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Creatively and commercially, I feel... I mean, as much as you can expect, like, an indie rock band or in, you know, mm-hmm. indie folk band to be successful, I feel like that's my only quibble there is that I feel like they have made it by most definitions. And last year, definition of success for them was mainstream. You know, I know they're not a household name, but, like, mm-hmm. you know, mainstream success, commercial radio airplay, no, they never got there, but... Okay. That's, that's my only I mean, issue with them. I love the band, but yeah, I just I don't think they've they've had commercial success that, since the Crane Wife. Um, I, I don't. You know, the King is Dead. I'd be surprised. You know, of course, album sales don't matter anymore, Scott. You'll tell me that, but I, you know, I, <laughs> I doubt it sold very many albums. Um, so you know, I just I, that was just my okay. criteria. I saw them going okay. in in one direction, and they kind of just disappeared. They petered out commercially. Or you know, okay. or popularly, from what I could tell. But you know, again, that's that this new existential this argument that Scott's going to have that you know, like, oh, nobody makes nobody successful anymore. So. <laughs> except for except for Twisted well, Lister. I, yeah. 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 No, I, I I guess I use the gauge of of uh, you know venues that they play because that's a easier gauge than like radio airplay or downloads mm-hmm. or something like that. So I'm kind of using fair. that. But, okay. Uh, go ahead. So, uh, going on to my next band, another um, The Eels, who actually just put out an album in the last couple months, which is actually pretty good. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Mark Everett, or E, is basically The Eels. You know, he's... Yeah, there we go. This is a great song. This song is great. Is this Mr. E's Beautiful Blues? Yeah. Yes. Oh, man, I had this on my shortlist for summer songs, actually. I think it's a great summer song. It is. It's from Road Trip. It was in Road Trip. That's yes. like where it got a lot of its yeah. blood. Um, but I think he's also, I think he's a fantastic songwriter. He's he's poppy, and I just, in a good way. Like, the songs are very engaging. They're about, like, just everyday life, and they, they're easy to get into. They're easy to enjoy. And, and you know, but he never, he never progressed past being a... Um, a club musician like you know, never got never got to arena size shows never you know hasn't headlined at any festivals or even played high on the or even plays festivals as far as i know um and i just thought he was such a such a good dynamic writer the music's so engaging i just thought there should have been more opportunity for them to move forward but that just never happened so i think that's a good choice just because um he, he, he or they have consistently put out solid Solid music. Consistently. And, uh, consistently. Yeah, yeah. and, and ha- he seems to have a pretty loyal fan base, but it's like mm-hmm. a, it's not a growing fan base. It's like a, there's a dedicated fan base, and I think he can k- keep playing clubs, touring clubs throughout the country mm-hmm. without any problem, but yeah, it doesn't, you know, there's not really a growth trajectory there, so. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely worth checking out, and there's actually, I'm glad you mentioned it because there's a lot of stuff. I'd like to listen to the new album. But there's some mm-hmm. stuff I'd like to go back to and listen, and listen to. The new album is good. I'm with you on that, Harrison. Oh, yeah. The new album is very good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, my next one, uh, my number three is uh, Panic at the Disco, um, who had a fantastic first album. I kind of and like I have them kind of like matched up with Fall Out Boy. They hit about the same time. Oh yeah, they were definitely in that wave. Yeah. And they were in that they were in Poppy that wave. Thing. The Poppy Mo wave. Um, and the, you know, the uh, Fever You Can't Sweat Out is a great album. Um, but after that, they just kind of like fell off, and they actually put out an album last year called "Too Weird to Live." I don't know, or what is it? "Too Weird to Live" something to something. Um, is but, is that because they fell off because the, the, we didn't give them enough credit, or is it because they're a shitty band? That's that's the, <laughs> that's the question I'm gonna ask. Yeah, you. I don't know if I wanted to hear that much more from Panic at the Disco. I mean, I, I agree that first album was catchy. I did enjoy it. I'm not gonna deny that. But, yeah. but they're not exactly a band where I'm like. 
Damn, I wish they were still. Okay, I just music. I I personally thought again I, this is another one where I thought that the the I mean the first album was a is, was a concept album and to start off doing concept albums at eighteen is pretty impressive to me. Um, I thought it I thought it was I thought it was well executed. I liked it, and then just nothing else came out of it after that. And you know, would you rather? And Fall Out Boy became way bigger and is still way bigger. And out of the two of those, who would you rather have gotten bigger, Panic or Fall Out Boy? Ooh. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's a tough call. I mean, I no, it's Sophie's choice. I don't, nobody wants to make that call. I don't know, but, but I'm just is where, where do we put Good Charlotte in the uh, in, in the discussion? Uh, I right where they are. At least Lindsay Madden is dating Cameron Diaz, so that's the best thing I can oh, say yeah. about Good Charlotte. I didn't yeah, know. I didn't, well I didn't know that, but I, Maryland boy. I did. No, you know they did well for Maryland. They're not. They're not a terrible band. They sold out a bit, but they were. They were good. <laughs> no, look, look. Good HF Festival band back in the day. They were fun. The Anthem, the anthem is a great catchy song. Uh, I mean, it's uh-huh. they've got lifestyles you know, are rich and famous. Lifestyles, yeah, catchy. No, they did like some that. catchy stuff. Catchy. It's I had some weird come up for me on Spotify this week. It was they they did an album called the Madden Brothers. There's an album, so I don't know what's happened, and I don't know. Uh-huh. I haven't looked it up. If someone wants to look it up, yeah. There's there's an album, the Madden Brothers. I did not listen to it. Uh, so maybe someone else has listened to it and can tell us about it. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. So okay. anyway. No. No. Yeah. I can't say I have. But yeah. no. I think uh, I was gonna say Panic at the Disco. As far as because I think we can categorize some of these the bands we're gonna talk about as you know what what was their downfall. Mm-hmm. Most of them had some type of downfall. But for Panic at the Disco, I think it was internal squabbles because I think the uh, the main singer songwriter I don't remember his name, mm-hmm. but he got into some conflict and basically the other guys either left the band or he kicked them out. Okay. So basically, he started a whole new band, and still called it Panic of the Disco for probably marketing purposes. And that's, yeah. I think that's what happened. So, okay, that's fair. You know, they fall under that internal squabbles. For some bands, it's more the record label or a combination of that. Mm-hmm. Look at some Todd. Way to way to eliminate them politically. Good good move. Not to say <laughs> that they're just a shitty band. Well done, Todd. Yeah. yeah. Well, I already kind of said yeah. I don't think. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. I mean, of it's, it's. I mean, I'm it's, just giving it another. I'm giving it another angle. At least. <laughs> yeah, like I said, this is a hard category because this. I think this is a very kind of like it's very individual because it's all yeah. an opinion of what you should. I'm not saying I wanted them. I wanted them to be bigger. I just thought they were going to be bigger. Sure. Is that sure? Okay? That's fair. That yeah, fair? that's fair. Yeah. Same thing about the next band, my number two pick, the Dandy Warhols. I thought were a band. You know, when they when they came out, they were you know putting out hits. Uh, not if you're the last chunky on earth. Um, what are you queuing up there? Bohemian, Bo- like, Bohemian you. like You. Bohemian Like You? Yeah. That's a good song. There Bo- it is. Bohemian Like You. This is one of, I think, one of the best songs to come out in the last 15 years. I, I, it's a phenomenal rock song. When was that, like early 2000s? Yeah. yeah. Uh, either 99, 2000, 2001. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, it's a great song. It's got that Stones type of riff. Oh, it sounds very oh, Stonesy. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's very, it's very, they're very Brit poppy, even though they're out, out of the West Coast. And they kind of have this kind of, you know, Brit sound to them. And I think them, Panic at the Disco, and Eels all kind of were too poppy for their own good, for the genres that they were trying to kind of be in. And uh, that, you know, like Panic was too poppy for emo, and I think the Danny Warhols were too poppy for alt-rock at the time, uh, you know, in that, that 2000 period where it was really more, everything was getting a bit harder again, going back to the more heavy metal stuff. And I think they were just a, ti- a band out of time when that happened. Also, if you listen to their, their big hits like that and um, uh, Not If You're the Last Chucky on Earth, they tend to start to sound similar. The songs don't really, like, their songwriting didn't expand the way I thought they Yeah, were. that's my but, only issue. I like Andy Warhols, but I, I feel uh-huh. like a lot of their stuff sounded 
similar. So it's a good point. And I also am glad you brought up the uh, the idea because I think this will come up on my list. The idea of a band being kind of out of its time, either before its time or too late. Because I mm-hmm. think that 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 comes up on my list, and and I can see that with a lot of bands. Like if they yeah. had just been around five or ten years later, five or ten years earlier, you know, they might have been huge. I think. So yeah, I, think it's I think if the if the, if the Danny Warhols had come out with something like Bohemian Like You, probably five to six years before, during the heyday of alternative rock radio, they they would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yes. they would have at least had a, a mega hit with that. They would have been at the level of a. You know, a, a, a little bit more than a one-hit wonder, like a cracker or something like that. No, I mean, true. they, they would have been playing they, but, festival but the, in the mid '90s. The issue, yeah. yeah, the issue. I think you could even drop it now if you dropped it now with no with no um, context, it would also do well. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the with issue. But, you know, the the yeah. issue the issue with that era that the late '90s and early 2000s was a time when you had the shittiest rock music being made ever, okay? And you also mm-hmm. had the downfall of rock radio, and they were happening simultaneously. And it was hard for a band that was legitimately good until the strokes broke. I mean, rock, rock radio died between, you know, like between 98, right? You had from Creed until the strokes, okay? So Creed was so like, like the downfall. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It was, it's really, really bad. And it, and it goes hand in hand with the downfall of rock radio. So a band like the Dandy Warhols, was was completely hidden when they're putting that stuff out nobody had any ability to hear it and you know and it was interesting you mentioned i don't know that if how big they got in europe or the uk but a lot of these bands the strokes and kings of leon broke first in the uk because radio was still going on over there so white stripes you know, probably most famous yeah recently. yeah white yeah. stripes too so. no traction here until they went to london and then they blew up right right so yeah. I, I'm with you. Dandy Warhols are, are definitely a, a band that didn't get their their due. I think. So. Yeah. So my last one, and, and Scott, I know you, you've already challenged me on this, but I can justify it. My number one <laughs> pick um, is The Killers, uh, and sticking with this kind of like trajectory thing. Hot Fuss came out in two two thousand four. Mr. Brightside, I think, was the single of the year. If you really, I mean, as far as like the song you heard more that was played more that was everywhere. Or somebody told side. me that was that was pretty bad. Somebody told me, told me the huge. song charted six singles, or the album charted six singles. Nice. Jenny was a friend of mine. Mr. Brightside, Smile Like You Mean It. Somebody told me those are the first four tracks. Has there been another rock band that's done that in the last? I mean, five, rock bands. Five, I'm sorry, five five yeah. songs, and then Change Your Mind. I think was the last yeah. one. Rock bands um, don't do that anymore. I mean, I was gonna say yeah. they were one of the last yeah. pop. I mean, so, no, I was right. All these things that I've done. So it was six. There were six songs that charted. Yeah. From you could record. argue like Mumford and Sons or, or like uh, they have treats, you know, but they've been very yeah. poppy. Some of these the Mumford and Sons or, or Imagine Dragons. Look at Imagine Dragons. Oof. Yeah, but, but then. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's because you don't like them, but they are, you know, Imagine Dragons is Imagine Dra- probably Imagine. considered a rock band. And actually, they probably are. the heir to the Killers, I think they're the modern day Killers. Oh, they're even oh Las Vegas. Todd, they're no. Ads are panics for what oh, that's worth. Come on. They are. No, I'm just saying, look, they, the Imagine Dragons, I don't know. I could see Imagine Dragons, I, still, I don't even think they know what genre they're in because every single song on that album is completely unrelated to, the, to every other song, um, which isn't, you know. Which is in some ways a good thing, I guess. In some ways, a good thing, but it's they also... They don't sound exactly the same. But. but you know me. Like, I listen... For people at home, if you don't know, I'm an album listener. Like, when I when I listen to stuff, I don't like... I don't listen to singles. I don't listen to playlists. I listen to albums. More well, Scott disagrees on that. Yeah. I don't... Scott, we're well, in a single just, culture. Yeah, we're in a single culture. I know, we are in a single culture. Harrison, I, I, I am with you. Yeah. I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. I listen to albums. So, like, I think the Imagine Dragons album is a great singles album, but it's not... You know, but it's, it's kind of disjointed. So... But we'll see what they do with the next one. That's going to decide it. And this is what... 
let's see what happens with having with the Killers. Killers put out in 2006 Sam's Town, which is the, one of the biggest piles of crap on ever recorded. I think it's just <laughs> awful. It is just awful. It had two singles when you were young and Read My Mind. I see. I don't and think then, I don't think it was terrible. I think after is, that album, it wasn't. Yeah, Terrible. Scott, could you queue up for me Bling, Confessions of a King, or I, Mindless? Not, I think When You Were Young is... I like When You Were Young a lot. I thought that was Yeah, I mean, that, that, that sounds fine. Read My Mind, I think, is a bad song. Or Read My Mind. Yeah, that's or Read My Mind, point. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like... And then his voice was all over the place. It, it was a concept album about Las Vegas. There's even a no, song... I agree. That album was... There were so many cliches in the songwriting. It was pretty... The songwriting is terrible. The annoying. lyrics are terrible. Um, the rhyme schemes are terrible. It's just bad from beginning to end, and I think that pretty much killed them as a band. Um, they've wow. actually, you know, that's it hard. is. Uh, no, yeah. I think no. It's, I thought their next album was actually pretty good. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Day and uh, Age. Or, I thought it was pretty Sawdust. good. Yeah, Sawdust was their no, single. Day and Age. Okay, that was yeah. a B side. So this is this is a B side. But Day and Age, I thought was pretty good. Human was yeah. on there, I think, and they had Neon <laughs> Tiger, I think. Bling, Confession of a yeah. King. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Yeah, yeah this might not be their best. You know that you're right. It's. Is it terrible? Is it? It's. Well, it it gets worse. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a little there. Yeah, his voice is just. Okay. It's like he was like overextending his range the whole album. It just didn't it didn't click. And then I mean they put out they've put out albums since then. Like they put out after Day and Age, they put out an album called Battleborn in, in 2012 after they did Law of Palooza in 2011. But they never I mean they were I thought I thought they were going to be like they could have been U2 level, I think, coming off that first album. Well, I think that was their ambition. They even said that. They wanted yeah. to be like this major arena rock you know, I mean, that was the sound. Like, they were an like arena band. Or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were an arena-sounding band, and they killed them. I think Samstown just completely tanked. I, I actually saw them on their arena tour in on Samstown tour. I saw them. Yeah. So I that so that's I think that one of the more self-inflicted didn't quite make it. Um, you know, I don't, my only issue there is like again, like kind of like the Decembers, but on a bigger level, is like. Hmm. I, 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 I can see what you're saying about potential and not an unfulfilled potential, mm. but it's hard. I guess by my and we'll get into my criteria, but like to say that the killers didn't make it is kind of I don't know. I guess it's harder. Oh, that's you know they what? were massively popular. They but, were, but very briefly, and they could and have they been more still, popular. They can what? still be. They're, they're well, even like I think they were a headliner at the Hangout Fest this year. So I was, still I was like say, headlining festivals. Th- 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 so. That's the issue. But as like a yeah. nostalgia act, not as a. But they're you know they're playing their hits. Yeah, they're, they're not, kind they're of in between. Like, yeah, yeah, they're not touring on a new album or anything. You know like who that. you sound not... like? You know who you sound like, Harrison? You sound like Outcast manager when he was truly trying to book Outcast up against the. He's like against the Killers on the festivals this this year, and he's like, no, you don't want you don't want the Killers as your headline. Have you listened to that Samstown crap? That's garbage. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. They're not going to no, draw. You both. I want both of you to do some little homework this week. Listen to Samstown from beginning to end. I did it twice, and it's miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> af- af- it might have been after you listened to Panic at the Disco that it caused. <laughs> No, Harris, yeah. that was good criteria. I see what you're saying. That's interesting. You took it, yeah, as bands that disappointed. So kind of like sophomore slumps and things like that. That's that's yeah, it's unfulfilled yeah. potential. But, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, but see, like if the, yeah. the Killers had just had a sophomore slump, that would have been fine. Day and Age, I think, just didn't. It didn't. It didn't bring them back. And you know, it's like how do you, 
you come off of six, six singles off your first album, and then you get you know two off well, your second. I also and think what, that time one, you human off of the second one. So yeah, I think time one. kind of passed them by a little because there was that very brief wave in '04, like '05 or so, '04 yeah. '05, maybe '06. Where you had a lot of these rock bands that were danceable rock bands. Yeah, uh, the Marshall Plan. Franz Ferdinand. Yes, yeah. yeah, Franz Ferdinand was in there. There were a bunch of others. A lot of them were British. Yeah, um, that's true. And they all kind of Black Party was in there. Uh, Franz Ferdinand was also Chiefs. On, my, on my short list. Franz Ferdinand was on my short list as a band that I thought. They put out a great album just last year. They did. They did just put out a great album. I mean, but they're they're coming back now. But I but think I, that they also. And Black Party put out some great stuff too after their first album. But those mm-hmm. were they happened. To, there was this that point around whenever 0405, and it was this flashpoint when those bands were the thing. And mm-hmm. even if Black Party puts out like an album that's as good as you know Sgt. Pepper's or something, now no one's gonna give a shit. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You know where they will? It's not the hot thing. Well, they won't. I was gonna thing. say they'll they'll care about it in the UK, but unfortunately the World Cup is taking place, so they won't yeah. be paying attention to no, that's that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And the Arctic Monkeys, I guess, are still around. That's but... true. And they're, and they're yeah, huge, you know. man. AM is a fantastic album. Which is funny to me because I think most of Arctic Monkeys' output in the last few years has been shite. But that's my I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> this the Arctic Monkeys thing is so weird. It's so strange. It it's like good. It's very good they band. I thought earlier. Yeah, but, great. You yeah. know, very good band. But are they this good? I mean, wow, it's it's really strange. I, maybe it's a case of America kind of latching on after to everything. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It's strange though. They've, they've I think so it's weird that they have a, like this big hit or two now. And well, I, I just don't think the stuff's that good. Neither though, song is. Yeah, yeah, neither neither song is an amazing song. They're very good. It's good. They're they're good, but they're not these amazing hits, and they're certainly not great like pop catchy pop songs. And you know what's funny is they they fall into a very small category for me and very narrow category of bands where I actually left the show early. They were so bad live. <laughs> really? And you guys know how many shows I go to. Yeah. And, and I, I rarely leave a show early unless right. I'm at some like gargantuan amphitheater where you have to leave early to right. so you don't or, sit or with me and I get, Or with me and I get bored, which is Yeah, hot. or that. Or well, that. But, yeah, Todd, <laughs> anyway, will, like, Todd will usually take a nap standing up before he leaves Yeah, I'll early. do that before I yeah, leave early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I was at a, I was at an Arctic Monkeys show with my brother, with Bill, who was the guest on the show. But... We were at a show at a club, a 9:30 club in DC, and we were like, "This is so bad. We just left early." And I was, huh. and I, there is very few shows I can remember that were that I left early for that reason. So yeah, yeah. maybe there's just a crappy live band, or maybe, but or maybe it was just a bad night. But that was my opinion. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting because Harrison and I might could well they will be at Firefly next weekend, but they, I guess they won't be high on my list. Okay. So anyway, re- recapping. Uh, oh, Harrison, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just, saying, no, just talking about Arctic Monkeys. It's the same thing. Yeah. I think you know, favorite worst nightmare was a, a really bad album. It was. It had offered nothing, uh, genre. You know, any anything that expanded on what they did in uh, their first album. Whatever people say, I am is what I am, or whatever it was. Yeah. It just. It sounded like side two of the well, same album, and, I, now, and it kind of fell off. And I think now, also, you have to remember the guy. The guy was like what, like seventeen when he wrote yeah. the first album, or something. Yeah, like that. Alex Turner. Yeah. So imagine you write that, you get a lot of success, and you have to put out a new album, and you're probably just enjoying your fame a little too much. And now, seven years later, eight years later, you kind of has had the maturity to kind of get back to being the songwriter that got you where you started. I think. That might be what's happening here. Yeah, but, he was uh, dating a supermodel for a while. Yeah, I exactly. So he was enjoying. <laughs> he was he, the he spoils got, of fame. 
you know, he just he probably Justin Bieber'd a little bit and you know lost focus. We've had a watershed moment here at <laughs> Twisted Lister. We've become real rock critics where we're shitting on stuff that is commercially viable and legitimately good rock <laughs> music. The Arctic Monkeys. So this is a this is a watershed moment. I think we've definitely proven our credibility. If anybody has doubted it feels us, good. yeah, we can be we can be snobs. So Harrison, recapping your list, you got for bands that didn't reach their maximum potential. That's how you termed it, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Decemberists at five, Eels at four, Panic at the Disco at three, Dandy Warhols at two, and The Killers at number one. Todd, moving on. All your, right, your picks. Well, I can uh, I can't always say this, but today I can say there's no overlap between me <laughs> and, and Harrison on this. You we often do. Um, so my list. Uh, my criteria was was more uh, bands that I thought were, were great that I would have loved to have seen uh, c- carry on or or just become bigger. But none of these bands ever had anything close to a, a, a genuine hit. But I believe all yeah all of my bands are defunct, so none of them are around, and most of them haven't been around for a while. Um, but yeah, if any of these bands got back together, in some cases it's not possible because they're not living. But in most cases, they are they are living, so they could get back together. But yeah, none of them ever had a hit. They weren't really appreciated by commercial radio or any other means that, that they were commercially viable. So I'll start. Number five is probably my most obscure, I guess, of these five. Um, but I discovered them back around very, I guess it was around 2000. Um, a band called Desiree's Hammer uh, that came out of South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And uh, they were a rock band, kind of poppy. Um, I thought it had a great sound, and maybe this goes to the point we were making earlier about what was popular at the time was not, you know, rock bands with big hooks um, that were kind of poppy. It was more of the heavy stuff like or corn, or I guess you well, could read that. Or, but uh, what? Well, I, I think there were there were a lot of bands at that time that were extremely uh, popular, right? So Goo Goo Dolls and Matchbox Twenty and bands like that that became adult contemporary acts. And I think that you know Desiree's Hammer and I don't know a lot about them, but looking at who who they are categorized with, they probably fall into that category of a band that could have either become an adult contemporary band or stayed as a rock band, right? They could have. Yeah. I think they were a little harder than they were harder than those okay. bands, a little yeah. harder than like Matchbox, which isn't saying a lot. But right. But anyway, I I, uh, I love. I like I loved them back then. They came out with a couple great albums. It's actually, unfortunately, it's pretty hard to find. I think they're stuck now. Um, that's the interesting thing about some of my bands is you can't find them. That <laughs> what was your their... favorite track from them back in the day? Oh, uh, um, the, the album was that... called Mortified. Was that the album? No, or no that Desiree's was a later one. The self self title. I think it was self titled. Desiree's yes, Hammer. One. It had a blue and black. Yeah, was it cover, called? Is that what you're looking at? Was it called Shown the Way? Was that the? Was it? Is this the name? I don't think that was it. She levels me was on there. She, um, oh. she levels me. No, anyway, that must they're... be older stuff. Yeah, that must. Yeah, be. it was older. They did have an album later. Anyway, there it's, it's kind of a theme with my selections, but there are a lot of record label issues, I think, yeah. and that tripped them up. Um, so anyway, I, don't, I won't dwell on them too much because I know most people have never heard of Desiree's Hammer, but if you ever, if you can, you know, you get a chance to listen to them, uh, I think they're worth listening to. So uh, number four uh, is a band that did have some limited success, but it's Fugazi, um, and Fugazi was probably the best thing to come out of the post DC hardcore movement and the whole and Discord records. And they're not uh, together anymore? And it, no, they broke up. No, they've been broken up for over a decade. They broke up. Oh, and, it's like but I, I okay, so they're they're what? okay. 
for okay. They were together from the late. They got together in the late '80s. They were mostly a band of the '90s. They broke mm-hmm. up, I think, in '03. Um, but yeah, they were you know DC punk veterans. Ian Ian Mackay was in um, in Minor Threat, of course, mm-hmm. very inf- also influential band. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Fugazi was uh, is interesting because they were they had this uh, this boldly anti-commercial stance where they wouldn't for a while they didn't sell tickets for more than five bucks a ticket. They later raised that price a little bit, but it was usually like 10 or 15 bucks a ticket. Um, they didn't sell merchandise for a long time. Um, they didn't allow moshing at their shows, and Fugazi was kind of a, you know, they were a punk band. So and, and they at were, that time, in the early 90s, that's what people did at those shows. And, stra- and straight edge, so there's no drinking at their shows, which made them poison for any venue that they'd want yeah. to play at. And they were all venues. ages. All their shows, they insisted and they'd be all ages, all ages which also yeah. was... So they had they had this stance that was very anti-commercial and and it was just interesting because they were. But you, you got, I, well, I you say that, but I, I mean like I think Waiting Room did really well um, for you know as far as no, they, no I'm saying they had some albums that and back then record sales meant something. But, they but had also, some albums that sold some. But I think I, I don't I don't think you can be a music listener or critic worth his salt without knowing who Fugazi is, like, fairly well. I think they're... Okay, but you a good point. You can't be a critic, maybe, but a a lot of music fans, I think, probably don't don't know Fugazi. Yeah. Especially younger fans. I guess. Um, I I feel it's it's hard to judge, because being from D.C., Fugazi having such influence on everything that was going on when we were growing up, it's a little hard to separate that from me, I guess. Fugazi's influence... Because they were a big band for me growing up. Yeah, but their their influence in punk music is nearly unrivaled. I mean, it's it's nearly unrivaled, so... Uh, they, yeah, they, they, but obviously a band that didn't have much commercial success. No, they didn't. And, and they had a huge influence, not just on punk, but also on bands like, like Nirvana. They cited them, Pearl Jam. We talked, I think Ian McKay was at that show, Harrison, that you said, I know he's tight with Eddie Vedder, I think still. Still, Um, yeah. But there was a big influence on all, even that grunge scene. So it's interesting. And Dave Grohl, I think, I'm pretty sure, you know, he cited him as an influence many times. And Dave Grohl came out of that DC scene too. And actually on that HBO show, I think he's. He comes to inner ear to record, which is where Fugazi did a lot of the recording. So, I just feel like Fugazi is one of those bands that kind of got gets lost in the in the mix, and they're not, you know, they they were never certainly they were far from like a popular act of any means. Mm-hmm. I think the most any I, I don't know they're they're again their albums they they did everything they could almost to and not maybe not intentionally to sell less, mm-hmm. but they just did things the way they wanted to do them. But I. I found out some interesting things actually when I was researching this so that I didn't know. That I don't know if you guys knew about Fugazi, but one thing I never knew where the name came from. Hmm. And so the name actually, Ian Mackay got it from a, a book he was reading about Vietnam, and uh, and it's a term. Fugazi was a term for fucked up, got ambushed, zipped in a body bag. That was what Fugazi ah, meant. Very good. So I learned something. Very good. What? Todd doing yeah. his research always. Yeah. I, I do my research, yeah, so I don't know. I know a lot of people may have heard of Fugazi, may know some of their music. I've listened to Fugazi a bunch, never knew that. That was interesting to me. And also, one thing I learned in 1993, that they turned down a $10 million deal from Ahmet Erdogan at Atlantic Records. Wow. Um, which not many bands could say that they turned down a $10 million deal, um, or any million-dollar deal. Um, and they also, in the same There's no year, band has. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, no one does that. Fugazi <laughs> is this like exception to every rule in music and rock and roll. And in yep. the same year they turned down this huge record deal, they also turned down the headlining slot at Lollapalooza. Wow. Um, so, I, you know, they're an exceptional band in a lot of ways. But musically speaking, and I haven't talked about the music that much, I mean, they were just this, like, pummeling, 
uh, a juggernaut of a band. And then, and to me, in on the Kill Taker, just again, probably because of the age we were at the time. Uh, I think it came out in 1992, 93. Right at the time, a lot of those like the the grunge stuff. I think it was 92. Um, but a lot of the, the same time, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all that stuff was was getting big. And of course, it didn't make nearly the impact commercially that those did. But that was my introduction to it, and uh, that's a hell of an album. But they put out a lot of good, you know, good stuff uh, in general. But I think that album was pro- might have been their commercial peak. Um, I think it sold a few hundred thousand copies, which was a big deal at the time. So anyway, that's I don't want to dwell on it too much. But I thought Fugazi like. As a band that could have been much bigger, had they tried or had any intention to be bigger, they could have been. They, you know, in some ways they, you could say they sabotaged themselves. In other ways, you could just say they stuck to their guns. But truth, I, I felt like I needed. I, they should be included. So, moving on, number three. Um, this was uh, number three. I have Whiskey Town, uh, one of my favorite. Uh, I guess if you, you, they get lumped in the alt country category often. And uh, most people would know them because of the Ryan Adams connection, because that's how Ryan Adams started out, was playing in oh, Whiskey Town. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, and Whiskey Town was largely Ryan Adams and Caitlin Carey. They were kind of the core of the band, and the, and the band changed. The members otherwise changed pretty frequently uh, over the short time they were together. But they were together from basically the mid-'90s until about 2000, I guess about 94 to 2000 or 2001 or so. So um, it did launch Ryan Adams, and they combined. It, it, Ryan Adams, I think he, he had exposure to Graham Parsons, great country country rock kind of singer from the 70s, and that was always a big inspiration of his, but he combined it with the sound of the replacements um, and other kind of early rock, color, early indie rock bands. Uh, but there's some classic, they put out, they only put out three albums, so it was a brief, uh, brief time, but those albums are all worth checking out. Faithless Street, Stranger's Almanac, and Pneumonia, and I actually think they got better as they went on, which is the sad thing that, that they ended up breaking up, uh, is because Pneumonia, well, Stranger's Almanac and Pneumonia, I love those albums, so... Uh, and they actually did have some guest spots uh, from some famous people, both Tommy Stinson from The Replacements and James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins played with them at various points. So, And I, I had one quote that I discovered um, that I thought was worth mentioning that Rolling Stone wrote back then when Whiskey Town was active. They said, if there is to be a Nirvana among the bands imprecisely dubbed Alternative Country, look to Whiskey Town. So I was kind of high praise from them back at the time. Nice. But anyway, there's been reunion talk for years. I don't know that it'll ever materialize, but uh, if you haven't heard Whiskey Town, I definitely recommend checking them out. A band that, that never made it on any commercial level, but uh, but I think should have, so fits in with my others. Anyway, moving on, number two, I had Degeneration, um, incredible band from really the, the uh, early to mid, mostly mid-90s, mid to late-90s. Uh, they were from New York. They had this like glam punk thing going uh, that was unusual in the mid-90s, which was kind of in the alternative wave. Uh, but they have, they have, the songs are very catchy, um, rock-heavy songs. They were the Big Stones influence, New York Dolls. Um, and they were derailed by record label disputes, like, like I mentioned before with some others. Uh, but it was interesting. In reading, doing my research a little bit, uh, some some of what I read, they kind of were saying, look, they presaged what happened with the Strokes and White Strokes, which we talked about earlier with the whole garage rock revival. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they were one of those bands that was uh, a little ahead of their time. I think if Degeneration had come around like five, six, seven years later, I think they would have been a lot bigger. But mm-hmm. I think it just wasn't the right time to be... When they put out their debut, I think it was 1994, 95, self-titled album. Incredible album. It's not even available on Spotify, which is a shame. I don't think it's on iTunes. 
it's an incredible album. So I think the only album I could find that's available was No Lunch, which is their second album, which is also mm-hmm. a great album. And they re-recorded a couple of the songs from the first album. But that first album was awesome. They were actually on the Airheads soundtrack. Great. <laughs> really? The last movie of the 90s, yeah. Nice. They had a song called Degenerated. Um, wow. And so if you ever hear, yeah, Degenerated was a was a cool song. That was one of their uh, kind of their theme song. You you both know that Airheads is a is is a is a play on something that happened at WHFS back in the seventies, right? Is it? I think yeah, you that did not know that. So HFS was actually overtaken. Uh, they were by a DJ. Um, they told a DJ that they were firing him right before his set. And as Scott can tell you, you do not fire DJs before they go on. You fire them right after they get off the air. <laughs> precisely. That's true. Precisely because what happened at, at HFS, the guy like barricaded the doors to the studio and shut it down for like two days. And just and and they threw a party at the lot. So. Degenerated. Air nice. soundtrack. Nice. Yeah, they're just, yeah, yeah. Dude, they're just a kick-ass rock band. Like, you now, Todd, want how, Todd, how much would you pay to see the supergroup Social Degeneration? Oh, I would oh, love that. Oh, that would, yeah. And you know what's funny? You mentioned it because Degeneration opened for Social D, actually, on a tour back in the 90s. That's funny. Um, and they opened, well, interesting, I didn't know this, they opened for Green Day briefly uh, in 1998. They opened for a little while in one of Green Day's arena tours. Um, cool. So I feel like they were widely respected among their peers, but they never got the love you know, from the, a, a popular a mass audience. Um, and again, they, as I said, the record label disputes really killed them, drove them into the ground. And they do, their singer, Jesse Mallon, emerged as one of my favorite solo artists of the last 10 years. Um, and he's a great singer-songwriter. I, I got to meet him, actually, a couple years ago. But he's awesome. He's friends with Bruce Springsteen. That doesn't hurt in my eyes. Hmm. Um, but, but anyway, so Degeneration, another great band. Um, that fell by the wayside, unfortunately. And then my number one, uh, they had to be my number one because I feel like they, uh, and they, and they're a different generation than these other bands. No, not trying to, no pun with Degeneration, but they were earlier, and I feel like they were the first, one of the early great bands that never made it was Big Star. And it's hard to not talk about Big Star. I felt like in this conversation, um, this Big Star really was a blend. They were around in the early '70s. Um, it was, I think, they got together around 1971. And they were only together again, brief time, like Whiskey Town. They were together for like three years. They only really they put out a few albums, not a lot, um, but just incredible output. Um, they were a blend of the Birds. There was definitely Beatles influence, but strong Birds influence. And then they blended the Birds sound, which I like, with some of the riff rock of the '70s. So they made, you know, there some of their songs are very kind of light and poppy, and some of them get kind of heavier, um, and have that more like more of a sound like Aerosmith or Cheap Trick, maybe. Um, but but when we talk about the power pop genre, which gets thrown a lot around a lot, and a lot of the bands I liked back growing up were in that power pop genre, uh, they kind of invented that. I feel like uh, the, that power pop where it was pop music, but it had this like a little gu- more guitar heavy sound. So they were hugely mm-hmm. influential on the alternative bands of the '90s. REM cited them as an influence. Uh, the Replacements wrote a song. One of their biggest hit, I think, was Alex Chilton, and Alex Chilton was the front man for. For Big Star, so it was all about his love of Big Star, um, Paul Westerberg's love of Big Star, and then the Lemonheads covered Ballad of El Gudo. Lemonheads cited them as a huge influence, and also great covers out there from Death Cab and the Decemberists of um, of actually of, I think of Ballad of El Gudo, which was one of their one of their great songs. Again, it's a ballad, obviously, but 
It was on the Empire Records soundtrack, the cover that Evan Dando did. So, anyway, Big Star, definitely, again, worth checking out if you haven't listened to them before. Uh, always been a favorite of mine, and they put out some great stuff. So, that's all I got. And everybody Sorry, knows, everybody knows this song. That's right. That is, of course, yeah, the original. That 70s show. Yeah, yeah, that is the original mm-hmm. version of the That 70s Show theme, which was covered by Cheap Trick for the opening yep. of the show. Right, in the so, street. It's called called in, the street. in the Street. Yeah, in the street. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's. And, and it's funny because Cheap Trick definitely. I, I don't know if they were directly influenced by them, but they were definitely. They had a, that similar sound, I would say, yeah. in the later 70s. So. Well, nice. good list. That is yeah. that is a good list. So, uh, recapping your list, Todd, you got Desiree's Hammer at five, Fugazi at four, Whiskey Town at three, Degeneration at two, and Big Star at one. For bands, different take on it, of course. Bands that you felt weren't able to reach their potential for various reasons, as opposed to Harrison, who just uh, is is hard on bands. <laughs> Not, no, that didn't sound right. Come uh, on, yeah, 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 harsh on bands. Uh, anyway, um, so that's a a good a good list, and now it's on to my list i don't think i think i'm gonna get through my entire list without mentioning a 90s movie soundtrack so i might <laughs> might be able to do that uh it was unintentional so uh, my list you know i took it i was really excited to do the show because there are you know anybody who loves music the way that we do obviously you love to talk to people about bands that they don't know and i I like to look through Mm -hmm. my collection of stuff and say you know here's a band i loved them i fell in love with this band and they never made it and they didn't make it because uh the man didn't let them make it you know and uh that's that's how i look at these bands like they're bands that should have made it because they're damn good and they were damn good at the time that they came out and uh they they should have had more success and for various reasons and we've mentioned a few of them along the way we've mentioned radio We've mentioned uh, record label stuff. I mean, all that stuff and, and how the business has changed drastically in the last 15 years, I think, impacted uh, the bands on my list. So uh, at number five and, and, you know, and again, like this is a list that means a lot to me. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily the universal list. I just want to throw these bands out there. I think they're bands that are really good. And if you're listening to the show, you should check them out. Go back. Go back in time and check them out. Number five on my list is a band uh, out of Baltimore that we grew up listening to called Laughing Colors. Uh, came up, obviously, in the in the mid. 90s never got their due on a national stage and oh, I great band great band I do not yeah. Yeah, I don't understand why. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's a band that had great songs. The two biggest hits, which you may have heard uh, at that time period in the D.C. Baltimore area, were "Solution" and "Mushroom." Were two two band two songs that got play on radio. Again, you know, obviously, commercial radio, corporate radio made it hard. They got played. They got played a lot on 98 Rock in Baltimore, and expanding beyond that was probably somewhat difficult. And then, of course, the, combining that with the perils of the record industry, uh, probably created. Pro- Problems, but it's a great band. Go back and listen. To they them. are, yeah. Go back. No, they were on my short list actually. Yeah. They were yeah. on my short list, and I would just say that my, as far as why they didn't make it, yeah. Um, my 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 feeling was that maybe they got lumped in with the wrong. You know, sometimes that happens with a band where they they get lumped in with like the hard rock category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sure. wasn't really the category to be in at that time in the mid '90s when Hootie and the Blowfish was huge and Gin Blossoms mm, and that's Gin true. Doctors. So I, that was my feeling was like they just got lumped in, and the fact that it's funny that well because they were harder they was, they rocked harder than those bands right that's what I'm yeah, saying yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. I think it was just I think it was just like again like maybe the wrong time but they they wrote some 
great songs. And, you know, Solution got, and, and Mushroom are a couple good examples. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, are they available? Did you, I don't know if you checked. Solution... Are they, they're probably not on Spotify. No, they are. They are now they're on... on Google. <laughs> on what? Oh, Google Play? Harrison. Google Play, that's what I use. Okay, oh, I was like, oh. okay. I was going to say, Harrison, you're on Google. Uh, we'll no, talk no. about streaming services, yeah. Yeah, later yeah. on, but Solution, this is Solution. I just want, I mean, this song is oh, just nice. so I've good. I've heard this in years. Yeah. And yes, oh, they are on Spotify. Harrison, you like it? What's that bass work, man? It's so good. It's great like, bass. This is a great, great band. Bass. I remember seeing them live. The drummer was great. I mean, the front man was good. This is a great band. A great riff. Scott, do you remember we saw them? Do you remember where it was? I don't remember. Uh, I saw, we saw them a few times. I remember we saw them at the record theater back in the day, but that was later oh, on. Oh, we did. Okay. That was towards okay. the end, but we saw them when they were coming up down at like the DC, you know, DC 101 gig or something like that. Okay. When, when radio, Bayou, radio was there. forced. Oh, yeah. yeah, radio was the, still the way that you heard local bands. I mean, that's one of the things we're we're obviously losing now is local and regional acts. Uh, they don't get played on well, radio. Well, it's not radio's fault. It's just the way media works now. It doesn't necessarily matter where you came from. Um, I think mm -hmm. someone will solve that problem in technology. I think there will be somebody that will solve that. But obviously, uh, somebody, something like a Pandora or YouTube is not going to solve that because that stuff, you don't realize where something comes from necessarily. Right. It's not in the algorithm, right? Yeah, it's not in yeah. the algorithm. So <laughs> check out Laughing Colors. They're number five on my list. Number Good four, Number four on my list is a band... Uh, that we've talked about before on this show during our New Orleans episode. It's Cowboy Mouth, and you know what? It's a band that gives it they, – they give it their all on stage. They've obviously been around forever at this point doing the same thing over and over, and I'm sure that's the counterargument. But a band with another very catchy song, and Jenny Says, that came out around the same time period that we've talked about, uh, mid to late 90s, and – didn't make it for one reason or another, and I think it's because uh, you know wrong time. I think if that if that song had come out probably three years prior, they would have had a hit. But the problem is, you know, they come out in inching up to that time when rap rock and shit rock kind of came around, and they were mm -hmm. they didn't quite fit in with those bands that you talked about, which Spin Doctors, Jim Blossoms, Hootie and the Blowfish, for various reasons. They, they were a southern rock band in a time yeah. when that wasn't what was hitting, and that was the problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not not a southern rock band in the sense of a drive-by truckers or something. So, so I don't want no, you know they, what I mean. But they're yeah, but they but yeah. they're kind of they got, they're a little twangy at times. Yeah. I mean, they're, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, they're 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 comparable to you know as far as success goes, probably old ninety sevens. You know, right? Go out and play theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, old ninety sevens yeah. a little bit bigger, I think, at this point. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's peaked but, a little bit higher on there. Yeah, but but Cowboy Mouth is a band that I if you see again another band if you see them live you'll say I don't understand this. How could this band have not gotten big? I mean, it's a band that plays on the main stage at New Orleans Jazz Fest every year. So Cowboy Mouth is on my list. Well, I lumped them together with Sister Hazel a little because they got big at the same time. Uh, but Sister Hazel, Sister Hazel had massive commercial success. I mean, they, well, they, Sister Hazel got a little no. bigger. I don't know if they were massive. They were not massive. Hazel. You don't think Sister Hazel? No, they had like one big hit. And just like Jenny says, was a pretty big hit. I don't think yeah. Jenny says. Jenny think says Sister was, Hazel was a little bigger. Jenny, I agree. Jenny, bigger. yeah, Jenny says was not as big a hit as as all for you. No, I'm saying it's, you know. it wasn't as big. But Sister Hazel didn't have like a bunch of hits. But I. The, the yeah, they did. Both those bands, they did. They came out, They came back and they put out crappy adult contemporary music like Champagne High and things like that. Yeah, but that was never nearly as big. I'm just saying that my only issue with those bands is that they. I don't think the songwriting was up to par. Okay. Uh, that was my issue. I think Cowboy Mouth put out one good album after the one with Jenny Says, and right. I like that album. 
But then I thought that went downhill, and I think Sister Hazel went the same direction. So that's my only. Well, my only I think I think I think you have two different reasons there. I think Sister Hazel kind of got adult contemporized, right? Which happened to a lot they of rock did. bands yeah. at that at that time. Cowboy yeah. Mouse number four on my list. Number three is a band that Todd introduced me to. Todd, I'm going to ask you a question right now because I have no right. idea where you found this band. Uh, it was the band that I alluded to earlier in the show when I said how I read. I ended up on a page on Amazon, their page on Amazon, and, and this person started talking about how, oh, I'd heard this band on a radio station in Georgia, and I don't understand how they never got big. I'm in the same boat about this band. It's a band called Sweet Vine. Uh, I think oh, they are from, from Georgia. Uh, maybe Carolina, the Carolina or Georgia. Todd, where did you? And Todd so. introduced me to Sweet Vine. Did and, I? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, you I listen saw, to this band, I, and you're like, I, you're like, awesome. I don't They're get this. York. I don't get this. This is a band. The Black Crows are massive, okay? And you listen to them, and there's definitely a Black Crows ish sound to them. Uh, they, they, they but came, mixed with like the Almond Brothers. I was gonna say they came along at a time when jam bands were still getting very big. Southern rock mm-hmm. was, you yeah, know, the Horde Fest. Yeah, was still, the Horde. So, you know, so first of all, Todd, my, where did you find Sweet Vine? And you know, it's, yeah. you're going to love the answer to this because it's so outdated. Yeah. Um, no one will ever say this again <laughs> of any new band. But I found them at a Tower Records listening station. <laughs> that's awesome. Right? Wow. That's, that's fantastic. I, you guys know. Oh, that's fantastic. God. Hey, yeah. days of my, my days Look. of my youth ruined and wasted waiting for Todd no. to get off the goddamn. Hey, it's <laughs> not wasted because I discovered Sweet Vine there. Okay, I discovered Sweet Vine. Yeah, Sweet Vine. No, I discovered so many times I can accidentally wander over to the, the adult magazine section before you get bored hanging out at Tower Records waiting for Todd <laughs> to finish up listening to an entire album. Yeah, but you. Walked over there a lot, I think. So it was all right. Luck, but, luck, yeah. be like, if, on t- we'd go on a Tuesday right. night, and so, we'd be there until they fucking kicked us out because Todd had to listen to every new look, album well, from beginning hey, to end. Look. Look, we didn't have the internet. Okay, saying, we didn't have the internet. Music was we, not free. Imagine you're gonna tell your kids, you'd be like, "Yes, we went to a store to listen to music for free." <laughs> yes, and yeah. they'll be like, "What the hell did you do?" <laughs> like, here's, here's crazy. Here, but I used to, and you guys both know, but I used to go to Tower Records like every weekend. I'd bike before I had a, a license before I was 16. I would ride my bike there every weekend and listen to as many albums as I could, whatever they had on the listening stations. Yeah. But you had to hope that something was on a listening station if you were going to get to listen to it. So anyway, yeah. that's that's how I discovered a lot of a, a lot of good music, and Sweet Vine was one of those bands. It's but a, I don't know if they ever put out much more. Thank, I, I'm glad that you, you mentioned You know what? Th- thank God Sean Parker and Sean Fanning uh, created something that prevented you from needing to go to Tower Records every single day that's of the right. week. Yeah. So uh, Here's Mountainside by Sweet Vine, man. This is... Great song. Can you picture Todd Man, at the listening station? That's awesome. Fifteen-year-old Todd. I was bobbing my head at fifteen. Listen to that. It still sounds good, man. It's so damn good. I, it's. I, I'm, no, gl- I'm so glad you it put is, it on here because I haven't listened to it in years. That's this awesome. this band is so damn good. Anyway, check it out. It's Sweet Vine. They're number three. Do you know? Wait, Scott. Yeah, question for you. Yeah. Do you know what happened to them? Because I honestly don't know. I, I, we got to get them like, on the show. I do don't we know, know if they put out more Dude, albums. That I have album, no idea. <laughs> that album. They have one album, and it came it was out. It's a self-titled in, album, right? It came out in 1997. Yeah. I have no clue what happened to them. Uh, Harrison, are you looking that up right now? Any idea? Does I'm looking any... it up right now. They are oh, not man. even. On, they're not on Wikipedia. So so. Oh man! You know what's funny? I ran into that with uh, who did I? I'll tell one you of this. my bands. Yeah, it was not on Wikipedia. Oh, Desiree's Hammer, not on Wikipedia. Yep. So, do you, so it's like it never I, existed. I will tell you this: that 
whoever their A and R guy was or manager is who we need to hire for publicity because whoever got that deal to put them on that damn listening station that was huge, obviously back <laughs> that in the was day. huge. But whatever that he did after that probably wasn't so good. <laughs> Look, I got you on a listening station. No one knows station. who the hell. <laughs> if any listener has ever heard of Sweetvine, I will give them a free like okay, bottle so of take a nice a, liquor. No, you'll take them to a concert. Yeah. Todd will take you. I'll, Todd will take. I'll take you to a concert. Todd That's even take, better yeah, than a free yeah. bottle of like Blanton's bourbon or something. <laughs> Handsrocks.com. H-A-N-S-R-O-C-K-S. Are they available for weddings now? What do they do? Slash sweet dash vine. It's like, uh, I guess. Oh, my God. Look at the HTML. Might have been the, uh, Scott, great, great pull on sweet vine, man. That just made my day. This is, this is, no, this page, this website is amazing. With just like this bold type. It, it's comparing them to Blues Traveler spelled wrong with two L's. What? <laughs> How do you spell? Oh, come on. Oh, my. Wait. Here it is. Uh, so the lead singer's been putting out stuff. Uh, oh. Hans, uh, Hans oh. Eberbach. Is this Hans Eberbach? Stuff. Wow. Yeah, this is it. Hold Sounds on. like it's Southern Rock or all right. Southern when Germany, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Down that road. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carrying nothing. <laughs> All right, we can listen to that on our own on hands. Oh uh, yeah, I'm Hans down Rock. To that. <laughs> Sweet Vine's getting heavy rotation from me this week. Definitely. Sweet Vine at number three. Number two is a band, another uh, a band that came out of the D.C. area, or an artist that came out of the D.C. area, uh, Pat McGee, who you know obviously oh, all man. of us followed a lot, a singer-songwriter out of the area, turned into an adult contemporary artist without a doubt, but saw a lot of the contemporaries of his time get much bigger than him, pass him on by, and had really catchy stuff and stuff that fit in for the time period and it was very weird i think what happened was uh he definitely didn't stick to his roots and he went in that adult contemporary direction and there was just too much competition by the time he came around and he couldn't reach the height of the wallflowers so there you go <laughs> <laughs> no the pat, that hey pat McGee band was like laughing colors was on my short list yeah one of the best mm -hmm. i thought local slash regional bands of, of the 90s um and I, yeah it never made sense to me why they didn't get bigger uh, yeah. i thought they had the great a great sound. The same, I the saw same. them a ton of times live, but on the same know. circuit as Dave Matthews for sure. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, just, obviously, didn't... Dave Matthews. I think a little bigger and a little better musicianship, you know. But uh, certainly <laughs> yeah. on the same circuit. I mean, certainly on the same circuit as OAR, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. And probably better. Yes. yes. Be we just put out a new album, but the Rockville EP, by the way. Oh, that's great. We want to talk about that. <laughs> we, we don't. Uh, there's, there's a, there is, but there is, I think, better musicianship with Pat McGee. I think a wider variety of songs. I mean, everything that, I, I so it goes again, another thing. I don't know if it's a wider variety than, you know I, so? not that I'm an OAR fan. Yeah, I yeah. just don't know that. You know? OAR did the like reggae, pop reggae uh, thing. Yeah, but that was later, later rock on. Rock thing. They did that. I don't know. Crazy game of poker had that. Yeah, I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, less less reggae. I'm just saying. I think. I think. Uh, I thought OAR had more of a, a varied sound. I'm not saying that they were above. I, I was much bigger Pat McGee fan, but yeah. Um, anyway, but no, I think Pat McGee's a great choice. I mean, put, he put on a great live show. I saw him so many times, so many venues. Um, mm. So, and he's still. They're still playing some. I think we're all just bitter about OAR because they barely edged out Sunbox yeah, well, as the best band to come out of Korea. Yeah, yeah, that goes without saying. Everybody knows that. But you know what? I will tell you. I saw OAR a couple years ago. Oh, Harrison, you were there when we went to that Dave Matthews Festival in Atlantic City a few years ago. Yeah, I remember. I, I, don't, I just don't 
I don't get it with them. Like, yeah, I, I, right. There's a few yeah, songs I, don't get I like, it. but yeah. I was so bored when I, we saw I, I, I don't get I know, it. You were a frat boy and everything. You were supposed to be all about them. I, I, I was not, but I was I never a big fan. I liked, I did like Crazy Game of Poker back early in the day. Look, I, I, I you know, I was, it, when I went out to school in Indiana, I tried to sell all my friends on Pat McGee. I said, fuck this OER shit. You know what? D.C. area, it's fucking <laughs> Pat McGee, okay? Because if you're going to listen to anything from D.C. and Montgomery County, you can listen to Sunbox. But fuck this OER <laughs> shit. Listen to Pat McGee. And you know what? I go see Pat McGee gets booked at the Bluebird in Bloomington, Indiana. And you know how many people show up? Three fucking people. Three fucking people. Wow. So, and you were one of them. <laughs> so, and I was one of them. So the problem, so there's this, but then again, then the guy is playing at Wolf Trap in D.C., right? And selling yeah, out. Yeah, he sold Pat out McGee. Wolf Trap. So there was this weird, there's this weird thing where, like, you were huge regionally but then you couldn't break for some reason nationally and then radio had this play in it and it was pre-internet and all like was well, that a management uh, but problem OAR, like they're booking booking shows where they get is. people that sounds I, like a management I, problem I, I think it's a management problem but oar benefited i love the fact that we're talking about so much so many aspects of the music business here oar benefited tremendously from Napster, and I wish that somebody had kept that data, and it would be really interesting to look at that data. And, I mean, if you guys know that on every single dorm room floor, frat house floor, there was somebody who had downloaded Crazy Game of Poker, but nobody had bought the damn album. Oh, uh, definitely. And, and, oh, but yeah. somehow it caught on as this thing that everybody had to download. It was weird. It was, And it's weird that we don't look at music. I mean, that's the thing I've been talking to you guys for a while. Look at, okay, what happens on SoundCloud? What happens on YouTube? What happens on Pandora? And it's different everywhere. And if you had looked at what was happening in the record stores then compared to what was happening on Napster, you'd find two completely different things. And mm-hmm. OAR benefited and and again is that management is that word of mouth i'm not taking anything away from them in that in that instance like but that track for what must have been one of the most i would go i would say that it was probably one of the most downloaded tracks outside of the pop hits of the day so outside of eminem and things like that right nelly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. most discovered track on there or something yeah, yeah i mean it was one of the it's like oh i'm not gonna but what does that say does that say to you oh i'm not gonna go spend money on this but i'm gonna download it for free i mean i don't know it's a weird it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah, but college so, kids were your perfect demographic for they people were. who didn't have the money to spend on <laughs> music. They were, and, and, and the mar- and I'll, I'll say this, Harrison, the marketing behind OAR is one of the best examples of marketing of a band ever. I mean, they did it. Oh, absolutely. They did it. it. It was amazing. They knew exactly who their target was. They hit it, and everybody and knew. They pounded the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They That's did. Right. They did, and they, they did a great job. And, and, and you know what helped them a lot, too, was going from the East Coast to college in the Midwest at a Big Ten school, um, which actually helped them because then they were able to kind of straddle both sides of it. And, and Right, because they went to Ohio State, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so they kind yeah. of – and not to say – and again, if you don't have talent, you're not going to make it and, either. But they, and, again, and, and, you know. and they were on the Dave Ma- – they, they followed up on the Dave Matthews circuit a couple years later, but that's what they were doing. They did the East yeah. Coast, Mid-Atlantic, um, yeah. beach – you know, they were doing the beach shows. They were doing yeah. Dewey Beach and all those things, and that's yeah. how they, they just built their following that way. And then going to Big Ten helps, too. So. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so number two on my list, Pat McGee, uh, I guess you should have hired a better marketing guy or girl. And number <laughs> one on my list is one of the most talented female singers, I think, in the business right now. And uh, we've seen a ton of female singers get very big over the past decade, who I like a lot. I really like strong female singers like Amy Winehouse and Duffy and Adele and people like that. And her style is different than that but she's very talented and she's she's made her name definitely on the jam band circuit but not in in the pop circuit or not as a pop star like the other three that i mentioned and that's susan tedeschi and uh there are a few other female singers i think like that i put sharon jones in there and alicia grace potter right 
Yeah, mm-hmm. Grace Potter did. You know, that's interesting. Actually, that's a good comparison. I didn't she's even think of it. the closest she, thing to she, Susan she, Tedeschi, but on a pop level. Yeah, she got. She level. became a pop star, and Susan Tedeschi did not. So that's a good right. comparison. And, and Grace Potter's best stuff is actually before she was a pop star. So I think the song uh, Paris was actually the big hit. But obviously, the the stuff on the album before that, which I can't remember what it was. I can't remember the name of the album. Uh, is really really good, more rootsy. And she, I mean, Grace Potter just completely transformed into a pop star, basically. A lot like Josh Stone did the same kind of thing. Uh, yeah. We haven't heard anything mm-hmm. from Josh Stone in a long time, but Susan Tedeschi, number one on my list for somebody who really should have uh, should have made it. So uh, that's that's my list. Well, so it's decided, your list is decidedly jammy. It is. Can say that. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, I, I think. Well, each of our. It's you know every week. I think we always gear more towards our 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 strong suits. You know. So mm-hmm. uh, sure, our yeah. personal preferences. I, and I, I want it. Yeah, go ahead, Todd. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say with Tedeschi, it's interesting just because. Again, and this goes back to just our criteria and our definitions of making it. Like on that whole the jam scene, and 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 on a certain level, she's big. She's pretty big. Like yeah. she's mm-hmm. big. She's got the Tedeschi and trucks thing. Like she's she's got a certain level of popularity. But you know, if you're gonna argue, she should be playing like, I don't know, you know, playing arenas or playing bigger places. Uh, and yeah, she's no, not. No, I'm gonna level, say that I'm gonna say she's as talented. I consider her having have made it in a lot of ways. Oh uh, no, not as but, your definition. No, because I, I started out with the comparisons of Amy Winehouse and Adele and Duffy, which may be a little bit okay. higher. But you know, even a Grace Potter comparison, she's nowhere near uh that of, of Grace Potter. No, she's so, not. Yeah. I guess not. That's true. Yeah. So I mean but for for you, Scott, is it more that these individual artists didn't make it or the jam music in general didn't get to where you no. were like this? No, 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 no. Okay. No, these okay. are no, no. These are bands. No, because these are bands. You look at the list. I mean, Laughing Colors certainly. If they had made it, you'd say they're all an alternative rock band. Uh, Cowboy mm-hmm. Mouth, I think, is in that same category as some of the they're roots. Jamming, the roots, kind of yeah, but they're they're ro- a roots rock band, right? Sweet yeah. Vine, obviously. Got, who knows where they? But black, they yeah. they have that Black Crows type sound to them. Uh, Pat McGee again, you know, roots rock. Susan Desky, sure, roots a jam rock. band. I mean, but I'm not coming out with bands. The, the argument on the jam band circuit, you know, if somebody come here and say, oh. Humphreys McGee hasn't gotten their due. I mean, right? That's that's the thing, yeah. and I'm not coming out here saying that. So okay, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay. So all right, I was just yeah. so just let's poking. let's let's make the uh, <laughs> yeah right. yeah let's let's make the final the final five, huh? Um, mm-hmm. We got I, this is gonna be tough. So we got a lot of different ones. So we don't have any overlap. Yeah, no overlap. So I guess everybody at this point, everybody's got to put like two two of theirs into the ring and then or or should everybody say something's from somebody else's list that they're cool with how about that Why i think do that's that? a good idea yeah, so, something from someone yeah. else's so i you can repeat yeah. harrison's real quick uh, yeah harrison harrison sure. had december okay. oh good go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, decemberist yeah. eels panic at the disco dandy warhols and killers and todd okay. was desiree's hammer fugazi whiskey town degeneration big star so mm-hmm. i would my i would say eels from harrison's list would All be right. my top choice and i'm cool with that Harrison's i'm cool, cool with the eels yeah i'm cool with the eels i would have, put, I would have also nominated dandy warhols as my uh, that would be my list. that would be my next one i guess i'm that cool would, with, either of those those two would be the top yeah two. i'm cool with dandy warhols God, as well think? yeah i'm down with both of those so let's put them on the big board okay uh harrison from todd's list who would you take um probably degeneration would be my uh number one off that okay I, right. I, and fugazi, fugazi would be the second but i feel like fugazi did what they wanted, like they got as big as they wanted to be, whether or not that was as big as you know they could have been or whatever. So yeah, you know, I think they made it the way they wanted to. They wrote their own rules. So yeah, that, it's a it's a tough list, Todd. You did a great job picking a lot of obviously really influential bands. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than Desert, Thanks. 
Desiree's hammer. Uh, hammer. But uh, <laughs> I go well, with... Well, I don't know if D-Generation qualified as influential, but I appreciate that. Yeah, well, Jesse Mallon, I mean, you mentioned some of the... But yeah, I think Whiskey's kind of Big yeah. Star, maybe yeah. more so. Maybe. I go... So I'm going to I'm gonna put Big Star on the board. That's going to be my yeah. out of that list. I Like I said, they were... Yeah. They, they they were my clear number one from the get go. So so think, yeah, go ahead. I was, well, I was just gonna jump ahead and say Todd and I can probably agree on uh, Pat McGee for you. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely agree on Pat McGee. I can agree on on Sweet Vine too. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sweet Vine. All right, we'll we'll, we'll put Sweet Vine. Any any others or uh, what else was on your list? Uh, uh Tedeschi, uh, Laughing Colors, Cowboy Mouth. Okay, Laughing yeah. Colors would be my next one. Okay. Yeah, but well, we only took those, two those... from everybody else's. So. So Harrison, do you feel strongly about any of the others, or you're Pat, you're solid with the Pat McGee pick? Pat McGee, Pat McGee, and Laughing Colors. So, yeah. so Sweet Vine, we'll do. Well, do you want oh, Sweet Vine? We can knock if you want to knock that off. That's okay. But well, what do you I, want? I'm just glad you mentioned them. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys decide among yourselves: Laughing Colors or Sweet Vine. Probably Laughing Colors. All right, okay. Just, that's cool. I've heard of them. All right, yeah. now we've got. Now we've got six of them: uh, Eels, Dandy, or maybe a little. Wait, so yeah, Eels, yeah, six. Eels, Dandy Warhols, Degeneration, Big Star. This is a great list. Pat McGee and Laughing yeah. Colors. Um, that I, is a great list. Yeah, where do you? Let's leave it at top six today. Yeah. I feel good let's about it. Let's leave this. it. Yeah. All right, yeah. Let's let's leave it at that. That's fine. Uh, That's so, good. who's number one? I mean, is is Big Star number one on there? Probably because of their influence, right? Is is Big Star? I, I mean. Uh... It could be. Yeah. I think I think Big Star, in terms of influence, probably had yeah. the biggest influence yeah. of any of those. I know it's they so, were my number one on my list, but they 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 had a huge, I don't know, disproportionately large influence given their how big they actually were in their day, which was not big at all. Let, let's mm-hmm. give let's so. give a Harrison pick number two. So right, eels Star, eels are Dandy Warhols. I'd go with Dandy Warhols. They were my number two. I'd go with Dandy Warhols too, just because I think the eels made it more. Like the the, the Dandy Warhols. You yeah. Could, I, I don't know. They, yeah. There was less of a case that they made it. I, sure. I'm gonna go with three Pat McGee, uh, unless Fair. there's a problem. Okay. All right. So now we're back. To, That's cool. To, to, so now we're. I think four would either be Degeneration or Eels. Guys, who do? What do you think? I just. I, I guess with Eels, I feel like they. Again, I know yeah. it goes back to our criteria, but yeah. I feel like Eels made it to a certain level of, you know, pop. Okay. Maybe not pop, but a level of stardom that Degeneration never got close okay. to. You know, degeneration so. eels then. That's fine by me. Yeah, degeneration eels, and then, and we then can laughing, laughing colors. colors is, we'll make them the honorable mention today. We're we'll, doing we'll, an honorable we'll mention. Honorable honorable mention. Honorable okay. All right. So the final mention. list are our bands, our top five bands that we would have liked to have seen gotten a little bit bigger and a little on a little bit further. Number one, Big Star. Number two, Danny Warhols. Number three, Pat McGee. Number four, we had who do we have? Degeneration. Degeneration. Yeah, Degeneration four and five. Eels. Sounds good, guys. Oh, this is so fun. Yeah, this was a good great one. Great list. Yeah, yeah, that is a that's, great that's list. That's awesome. I got. A, I have some listening to do this week. That, I appreciate. Oh, me too. I've been. I've been writing a thank list. Thank you guys down. for. That no, is, I, it is great. That's list. one thing I love about our show is like is hopefully we expose the listeners to new music. That's a big point yeah. of this. But but we 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 all learn something. It's each true. Week, and that's that's what I love about it. And, and we we love this stuff anyways. So. And Todd's yeah. got follow Todd on Spotify, and then we're gonna get our own Twisted Lister account on Spotify going, where we'll put all this stuff up so everybody. Yeah, can I, check I have it out. a, a yeah. Spotify uh, playlist for every episode. Some of them are longer than others, but I do one for. Every and how episode. how do you get how does somebody get to your Spotify? Uh, if they're search. it's public, so if you're on Spotify, you you search users, I think for yeah, Todd search Gelfeld. Todd Gelfeld. I think it's yeah. just Todd Gelfeld is the username. Yeah. It's very fancy. Cool. We, but, yep, yeah, it's on there. 
So uh, this is, I hope, this is a really long episode today. Yeah. And if you're still with us, uh, of course, obviously, a lot of news to talk about. Real quick hits in the news. Obviously, the launch of Amazon Music this week. Uh, we saw a war going on between Hot 97 and Chuck D, which plays into a lot of the discussion that we talked about with radio. Uh, Todd, I'm going to give you, like, 30 seconds because two of your members of Crappy Bastards made appearances at Bonnaroo. Uh, Bonnaroo. Crappy <laughs> Bastards. I, I don't know how many times I have to say it. I but, know it's intentional. But, but, but two of, your, two of your, uh, your artists, of course, made appearances at Bonnaroo, Jack White. Big and, splashes. Yeah, yeah, Jack White and Conway. Kanye. Conway. <laughs> Whatever. We've been talking too long. Yeah, Jack White and Kanye, of course, at Bonnaroo. <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Todd, on Kanye's wonderful uh, Well, appearance? I have very different thoughts about the two. I mean, I look. I, I, I didn't mean to get into the position of Kanye apologist, as we were joking about. <laughs> I am not, like, I, I don't think Kanye is in the right frame of mind. Uh, either either this is shtick, this is what I'm thinking today, is this shtick, or is he really just that far, that deluded, <laughs> yeah. delusional? We that know he the answer, he's a God. You we know? know the answer. So God. you're saying he is that delusional. Okay. Yes. Maybe yeah. he is. No, I know, oh, he, went on, he went on this mega, megalomaniacal rant at Bonnaroo. I kind of think it's right. Yeah, that's my my issue with this is like, what did you expect? And Wayne Coyne said it pretty well. I sent Scott. I put it on Twitter. The clip that Wayne Coyne was like, he's like, man, he's like, it's cool. He's like, if you like Kanye, you expect this stuff. But if you don't like it, that's why he's doing this stuff for the haters. So you know, I I don't know. I I'm not saying it was a great performance. I wasn't there. Um, But you know, that's what you get with Kanye. Him dumping on Pearl Jam. That's not cool. I don't whoa. agree with that. Apparently no, he trashed Pearl that. Jam. Yeah, he whoa, trashed Pearl Jam whoa. because they, they delayed him in 2008, and the fact that he's talking about six years ago is ridiculous. They <laughs> delayed him until 4 a.m. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that was yeah. entirely their fault. So, so, you, know, you know how Pearl Jam so unprofessional. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently he was talking smack about Pearl Jam. That's not cool. Him talking about how he wants to be – he should be considered up there with – Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and Walt Disney is like bullshit. (laughs) So I'm not defending Kanye. I just think, you know, artistically, he's put out so much good music that it's hard to just write him off and be like, he's crap, you know. So it sounds like it was somewhere between a disaster and a decent performance. That's my that was my my take on it. And my my response via Twitter was that Kanye should roam around in Wayne Coyne's bubble next year at Bonnaroo. Yes. I, that's the show that I want to see is Kanye just trapped in the bubble and nobody can it. hear him. What would happen to him? Well, hopefully Bonnaroo has learned the lesson because I think we talked about this when the lineups oh, came out. Gee, this and was we were a, like, why did why? they book Kanye? What were they? You know what? what I, they we they could do another hour 15 on, on Bonnaroo 2014. I don't, yeah. you know, it looks, obviously it looks great from afar and I've watched uh, some of the streaming and, and um, it look, you know, they, they still got a crowd. I looked, I mean, I looked on the website pretty recently and there were still tickets out there i don't know if they ended up selling out or not uh the norm is they do sell out but the lineup looking at the lineup even of the webcast you're just like there are a lot of holes in this lineup i think they made some uh, yeah i think they made some well i i think i i think what honestly you know I wonder if what happened was Outcast. They were in the bidding, and basically they're like, "We're not going to pay that for Outcast." And they're like, "We're going to get Elton John and Lionel Richie." And it's like, if they had waited, if Outcast had waited to do the reunion this weekend at Bonnaroo, that would have been huge. I mean, not to say that they weren't huge at Coachella, but anyway. it was huge at Coachella. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. So I, anyway, on on the Jack White front. Yeah. Um, Everything I read was very, really positive. I mean, it's yeah. not like an amazing show. Uh, Pace, I actually just wanted to read a quote from Pace magazine or their Twitter feed. Pace said about Jack White's show, they said, 
it was Jack White was setting the definitive example of what a festival headliner should be. That's cool. So I thought that was interesting. I, I, yeah, I, so I did. I did put on a hell of a set, and, and apparently Seven Nation Army was the closer, and, and everyone was singing oh along. And God, amazing that been I saw that. Amazing I, clip. I, it sounds like an awesome. Set. I watched that last night. I saw the end of his set, and um, I saw the end of his set. So, I, you know, that's the problem. The, the webcast was weak, and then finally the end last night was Jack White into the Derek Truck Super Jam. Man, that Derek Truck Super Jam was unbelievable. The, Susan Kodesky, uh. Taj Mahal, uh, this uh, another female singer I really like, Alicia Shakur. Uh, they had all these people. It was amazing. But anyway, Jack White, he was incredible, and that 7-H Army was great. Moving, moving along to sad news, obviously, the passing of Casey Kasem, who we would be remiss to mention if uh, – to not mention, rather – uh, you know, as we do a countdown show today. So. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, if you do a music Obviously, countdown yeah. show, we all, all owe something yeah, a debt so. to Casey Kasem. I lost, Shag I lost Shaggy this week. That was the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah can very, I, very Scott, sad. can I read this quote that I, AV Club had? About? Yeah. It's, it's not that long. Go ahead. But AV Club, had, they, read, they, put a, like, they put out kind of an obit slash tribute to Casey Kasem today. And what they, I, what they wrote that I really thought was cool and some, summed it up his influence pretty nicely was the quote was, People who have grown up with the internet may not be able to grasp how important the show was during the 1970s and 1980s. More than just a radio countdown, American Top 40 provided a weekly report on the state of mainstream pop in the days before popular music and the listening audience became far too splintered for anyone to confidently pre present a handful of songs as a representative of what quote-unquote everyone was singing along to in their car. That was it. But I just thought yeah. that summed up very nicely what we often talk about on our yeah, show. And it goes, yeah, it goes to what you're saying, you know, Scott, about not the, the music's so stratified now, it's so, it's so dispersed that you don't have that radio influence, or Casey Kasem probably the most influential man in radio at the, you know, for 20 oh, yeah. years. Well, I don't think it's the, I mean, that's, it's the business of radio, too. It's there, you know, that's yeah. the problem there, but, right. yeah, no, Kate, what too, Casey but... Kasem did, well, technological, but also business-wise, right, the consolidation and whatnot, but, sure. uh, yeah, Casey Kasem, it's amazing, and anybody who is of our generation grew up listening to that show on weekends and likely taping a lot of it off of the radio, which is another thing that is foreign to anybody uh, who is young now and uh, certainly a reason why I wanted to get into radio was listening to Casey Kasem people like that I, he was no it was it was incredible what he what he did uh, was a very simple idea uh, it's a perfect example of a business idea right it's something that's so simple but obviously a lot of people had a demand to know hey what the hell should I be listening to and he told yeah. you you know and that was it was great he's like I'm just gonna read the billboard charts and right like, it was okay. the billboard chart <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, I mean it, it was unbelievable oh, right it's like it's it's just like it's the simple it's it's such a simple business idea and he's like well most people don't know that the billboard charts exist and i'm gonna I, i'm just gonna read it i'm gonna literally read it yeah. so anyway man yeah. we'll, we'll definitely miss casey Kasem. uh and of course this show is somewhat of a tribute to casey Kasem as we count him down every week harrison right. what are you listening to man uh, I'm listening to uh, Jurassic Five just dropped a new uh, single, their first yeah. album out or first song out since 2006 called "The Way We Do It," which samples Jack White on from <laughs> Doorbell, yeah. uh, from the White Stripes. <laughs> nice. It's a great track. Um, it looks like they they filmed like a quick video. It looks like they're at Red Rocks, I think. Um, I, I can't quite tell. But Jurassic Five at Red Rocks. Jurassic That's Five, cool. but it's like, but they're not they're not performing. They're just in the stands throwing snowballs at each other. So uh -huh. I don't know. Yeah. Um, where it was, I don't, it looks like Red Rocks, but I've never been there, so I can't say for sure. Um, it's Jurassic Five was such a fun poppy band, and this song gets them right back to where they left off. 
and it's amazing. You should check it out. It's on. Um, you can find it on uh, YouTube. It's the way we do it. Jurassic Five. Give it a listen. Quick five minutes. Great time. Jurassic That's cool. Five. We, we haven't heard from them in a while. That's no, true. Jurassic yeah. Five easily could have been on our list. They could have been on one of these. Oh, lists. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely could have been on. So our I think they're catching in on the outca- the outcast uh, run up here, but you know. No, nah, but, but, it, also, but yeah. it's also a great song. It's yeah. a great song. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, it's funny you mentioned Jack White, and we already talked about him, but that's going to be a theme today, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I, I was listening a lot to Jack White's new album Lazaretto this week, and uh, I, I think it's incredible. I know uh, you know Scott might disagree on this, but uh, I, no, I, I loved it. And the funny thing is, I'm not uh, I, I'm not like a massive Jack. I like Jack White, and I respect him, but I'm not like a huge Jack White fan. Blunderbuss was good. You know, whatever. I didn't. Mm-hmm. This album is already in my top albums of the year. Uh, okay. It's it's in my top five of the year right now. We'll see where we end up at the year. We'll probably do a show <laughs> on it. But it's 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 quickly going up to to one of the top ones of the year for me. So, so I, 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 I highly recommend it. He was on he was on uh, Fallon last week on the Tonight mm-hmm. Show, and oh, okay. uh, he brought out the uh, the LP. He did the he did an ultra LP. Yes. Uh, it's like 220 grams. It's uh, it looks like an old 78. Uh, it has songs on it at 33, 45, and 78 RPM. It has a track where if you start the needle at different places, the intro to the song is different. Uh, it has a laser, a laser etched hologram animation in the middle of it. It's tech, it's the most technologically complex album, uh, record album that's ever been put out. I ordered it immediately, and in like classic, I feel like is perfect Jack Whiteness. It was delivered to my to my mother's house via courier today, a Sunday. Courier? <laughs> what? Courier. Might as well be Pony on Express. A Sunday. Wow. What the hell? Of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, I mean, it's just, it's a pretty incredible piece of technology for, uh, you know, pressed vinyl. So I'm looking forward to playing around with it and seeing what it, what it does. He, he is an interesting artist. I'll give you that. He's a very interesting yeah. artist. And Harrison continuing oh, yeah. to be our late night television correspondent. So, and again, <laughs> no, and right. again, coming back to the marketing of music, obviously the manager who booked him on that show did a good job because I'm sure there were thousands, tens of thousands of other people who did what Harrison did, which is order that record. So, oh yeah. Um, well, my what I'm listening to, I've I've been on this Derek Trucks kick lately. I saw the webcast of uh, what was last weekend. What festival was last weekend? Mountain Jam. Mountain Jam. Oh, Mountain I saw Jam. Mountain okay. Jam. I saw some of that, and then I was got into Derek. Tr- I saw him with the almonds, and then obviously I watched a little bit of the Derek Trucks Super Jam this weekend. So Tedeschi and Trucks is what what I've been listening to for the week, and uh, you can go back and listen to their most recent album. It's good stuff. You guys know I can listen to that anytime. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a good list, guys. This was a this was a great show. This was a lot of fun. It was fun. a fun show. A lot of fun. Good we, show. we thank everybody for listening, and uh, I think we'll let we'll let Casey Kasem take us out. My name's Casey Kasem, reminding you to keep your feet in the ground and keep reaching for the stars. <laughs>